Northwest Christian School Online provides online Christian education for any students ranging from kindergarten to 10th grade. The tuition is fully covered through the state of Arizona's ESA program and is affordable for families out of state. You can count on NCS Online for a rigorous, proven online program that establishes a robust biblical worldview for all students. For more information, go to ncsonline.org. That's ncsonline.org. The brothers, for you and I to live for the kingdom of God, it's going to require a, a perspective shift, a new way of thinking, a new mindset. What in the world would it mean to pray, Thy kingdom come? Seek first the kingdom of God. Know that your home is in heaven and live as if that's your goal. What we've done in the past simply can't be done anymore. That we lived our life in a certain manner because it was basically a Christian world, a Christian culture that we're living in. That time, those times are over. It's not enough to be a believer. It's not. You, it is not sufficient for you just to believe and that's it. You cannot be a believer. Being a believer leads to being a follower. Instead of all these things we're worried about that consume our thoughts and our minds, instead of using your mental energy on that, instead, seek his kingdom. What in the world would it mean to pray, thy kingdom come? Well, ladies and gentlemen, happy Thanksgiving. Today is Monday, the 22nd of November, and we are in the final stretch of, of school as we head into Thanksgiving break, and, and we're grateful in addition to the break that was scheduled, thanks to students' generous participation in the, the Sutton Project this year, we're going to see the 29th off. Hillary Schrock, what are you going to do with your, your day off on Monday, the 29th? Uh, probably recover from all of the food partaking and family festivities and all those wonderful things that come with. And just rest, yeah. Yes. An extra day of Sabbath. Absolutely, absolutely. Well, folks, we are joined today, as you likely already know, we're joined by Hilary Schrock, who is our secondary sign language teacher at Northwest Christian School. I'm going to correct you and say American sign Ooh, language teacher. American sign language teacher. And that's one of the things that we were, we're going to go off script here for a little bit. I, I said yesterday to you in conversation that there I had read that there were over a hundred and you said you corrected me because it was not just a hundred but well over a hundred. How many different forms of sign language are there? There are in fact over 300 different known sign languages worldwide. That's unbelievable to yep. me and because you think about how linguistics and language develop and I just I, I marvel at the fact that th there, there are enough cultural forces at play whether it's geographic isolation or whatever that would cause over 300 forms of this unspoken language to to form and you were sharing with me earlier it, there's a british root to mm -hmm. some of them and a french root yeah so as far as historically in the way uh, sign language kind of takes form and how we how we've come up with sign language um, it started in france um, it started well technically it started in spain with spanish monks um, and they were doing it because they were under a vow of silence and from that, then they realized that, oh, wait, we could actually reach the deaf this way. And so they started and they created, so French Sign Language developed out of that. Um, so French Sign Language is kind of where we get, especially from ASL, that's where we get like our main um, sign language base. Um, British English Sign Language is kind of the next major sign language that there is globally. Um, and so you can kind of tell throughout the world where people 
um, initially learned from based on what their sign language origin looks like. So French sign language and American sign language are sister sign languages. There's over a 60% overlap still today um, because that's where our teacher, our original teacher came from. And then got to America, started seeing what home signs were being used here, what different things there were culturally that needed signs. And so they adapted it and changed it. And so that's where we have American Sign Language from. That's phenomenal. And then within those, within each of those sign languages, uh, like, for example, within American Sign Language, is it the case where there are individual dialects that have developed yeah, so you would definitely um, notice that if you go like to the northeast, there are some slang, some different dialectual terms, things like that, that are different than, say, West Coast or California. So I grew up in California. Whenever I meet somebody that's from the northern United States, northeast, north United States, um, inevitably there's always some kind of something that you're like, wait what sign is that? And then, you know, and you're like, oh, wow, I've never seen that before. Oh, we sign it this way. And like, oh, okay, you know, but the United States is humongous. So it's not surprising that you would have these different dialects pop up. And like, even in the South, you know, if you speak to someone that is from the South, they have a definite accent, they have a definite tone in which they speak. And it's the same thing with sign language. So it is interesting to see how it translates. Yeah, that is fascinating to me. So, so Hillary, can you tell us a little bit about your background with ASL? When, when and where were you when you decided that, that sign language, uh, American sign language, was, was an interest, was a pursuit you wanted to follow? And then at what point did you recognize that not just did you want to learn it, but you wanted to, you wanted to teach it? So, okay, so this is kind of a, a funny, I think it's funny. Um, so God laid this on my heart from the very beginning. I was always fascinated by sign language as a kid, you know, when you'd see a little bit on Sesame Street or you'd see somebody interpreting a song or, you know, in the rare event that you'd see an interpreter on TV, I was just always enthralled with it. Um, but I never I never knew anybody that was deaf. I didn't have any friends or family that needed it. I was just always enamored with it. Um, during my high school years, I had all kinds of problems with my hands. I've had eight surgeries on my hands really? from when I was a sophomore in high school to a freshman in college. So I never thought that this was in the cards. Um, and then when I got into college, I knew without a doubt I was going to be a physical therapist because I'd gone through tons of physical therapy and I loved everything about it until I got into the classes. And then I was like, yeah, this is not for me. (laughs) And then I didn't know what I was going to do. But my hands were finally to a point where I was healed enough that I could take a sign language class. So I took it as my foreign language as a summer school class because I thought, well, it's eight weeks. At least I can do anything for eight weeks. Um, Yeah. And I absolutely fell in love with the culture, the language, Everything about it. Um, And so at that point, I was getting ready to transfer. I'd started at JC. I transferred to Fresno State. And they are known for their interpreting sign language deaf education program. So I realized there was a huge need for deaf education. And I changed my major to deaf education. Wow. And became fluent in sign language. And that's, that's how it all got started. So prior to that, was there anyone in your family for whom this represented exposure? No, nope, this just came from the Lord. Just, yeah, the Lord <laughs> literally directed your steps. Yeah, and, yeah. And it's, 
it's fun to see how passionate you are about it now and to realize that was just born out of experiences that the Lord led you along the way. Absolutely. Absolutely. Pretty cool. So as we talk about the deaf, one of the things that um, I've been really interested, you and I have a a mutual friend and a gentleman by the name of Frank Coleman, who um, has has done a lot of work with Christian education and and deaf education, Um, a real pioneer. But one of the things he said to me at one point was that the deaf are incredibly vulnerable. Mm -hmm. And he also told me that the, the deaf are considered the world's largest unreached people group. And and the statistics bear that out. The National Resource Center for Domestic Violence reports that deaf individuals are between two and six times more likely to experience physical or sexual abuse, and that 60% of deaf individuals report experiencing at least one of these two forms of abuse at some point in their lifetime. The journal uh, American Annals of the Deaf reports that 50% of deaf children have experienced sexual abuse of one sort or another. Uh, the journal goes on to say that 5%, only 5 this is heartbreaking, only 5% of deaf rape survivors report the crime to the police. Yep. So, Hillary, what is it? That's, I mean, those numbers are just shocking to yeah, me. Yeah, they're horrifying. And they're heartbreaking. What, what is it that makes the deaf community so vulnerable to abuse? Um, so I think you really have to look at it from a language perspective. So you, when you think about the deaf, 95% of deaf children are born to hearing families. So that that's a huge percentage right there. Of that 95%, less than 10% will learn sign language. So that means that mm. you don't have language in the home wow. most times, um, or at least not beyond, like, I love you, or, you know, basic preschool type sign. So you've got two different languages happening within the home. So that already kind of creates, what's the word I'm looking for? You know, it it doesn't create a a loving environment. And I'm not going to say that deaf children aren't loved by their families. However, my relationship with my girls, I cannot imagine if I could not ask them how their day went, how are they feeling, what's going on, things like that. So you already have this this separation between your deaf child and your hearing family. Um, they're constantly left out and excluded. So then when you have other people that realize that vulnerability and realize that susceptibility, it's really easy to be taken advantage of because who are they going to tell? Yeah. How are they going to tell? So it's also not surprising that you only have 5% that ever come forward because they already have this sense of distrust. They already don't have anyone to go to, and they don't have any way to effectively communicate it. So why would I tell? Who would I tell? Yeah, heartbreaking. Mm -hmm. So, you know, as an extension of that, that's probably where the, the numbers for, you know, being unreached by the gospel fall out as well. Mission Frontiers reports that out of an estimated 250 to 300 million deaf people in the world today, only 2% of them have made a commitment to follow Christ, making this, as, as our friend Frank would say, the largest unreached people group on the planet. Yes. Uh, these numbers seem... Uh, to make it seem as though the, the, the barrier to the gospel for these folks is linguistic. Um, why is this, though? What, to what do you attribute this? So, again, I would say that it has to go back to language. Um, the heart language of the deaf is sign language. Um, it is the language that they're most comfortable in because it's conceptual, it's visual. It's not, 
you don't need the auditory at all, whereas like most written languages, it's their second language. It's also, you know, it's more when you're learning to read and stuff, we rely so much on our hearing to understand what it is that we're seeing um, on paper. And so a lot of times deaf people don't have a great concept of the English language. Not that they can't, it's just a lot harder. And so, like I said, when you're looking at that, 95% of deaf kids come from hearing families that don't sign, they're getting this language delay. And that's that's a huge issue within the deaf community is language delay. So if you're not starting to learn language, and we're talking just basic communication language, not even reading and writing until like the age of five, you've missed that entire first window of learning and education and that that crucial development time, which we all know, you yeah. know, that's that's when we're pouring into our kids because they're sponges. So if they're missing that whole window, then language delay is always going to be an issue. And then if you're only getting education, you're only getting language practice during your school day. So, you know, eight hours at best. And then you go home and you're no longer being poured into. You're no longer you're not getting that incidental language because you can't hear it. It's it's blocked off to you. Um, so you have that language delay. So that means that their written language skills are going to be delayed as well and never going to be as strong. You have to have a strong L1 to have a strong L2. First language, have a strong second language. That's been studied yeah. and proven, and yet we disregard it all the time. So globally, more than 80% of the world's deaf population are illiterate. So when you put all those things together, it's not shocking that less than 2% would ever know the gospel. Yeah. Wow. So there's a lot of layers. (laughs) Yeah, there sure are. You know, so um, we'll talk. Let's go back to to your classroom. Tell us a little bit about how your classroom is unique from most of the classrooms on our campus. Um, Okay, so well, when you come into my classroom, I don't traditionally have desks or tables sitting out because we don't write a whole lot because we're signing. We're we're engaging in conversation and we're we're using our language. Um, I would say it's quiet, but it's not typically quiet. Um, and that's because there's a lot of incidental noise. So if you're not signing, there's just a, or if you are signing, there's a lot of noise that happens around you that you don't really realize because as a hearing person, you just kind of fades in the background and you, uh, you don't realize it. Um, but when everything's quiet because you're signing, you realize all the little things that make noise. So your classroom is quite noisy um, in that regard. But then huh. as far as like from a spoken perspective, so while students are signing, they're not allowed to voice. That is an absolute no-no because doing two languages at one time because they are two separate languages is way confusing and you're really only doing it for the benefit of a hearing person. So if you're truly working on your sign language, you're not going to voice and sign at the same time unless you're doing it in an emergency for communication. Well, that, that would be true of immersion in a, in a yeah. foreign country. You'd experience the same sort of thing exactly. just in a spoken way. Right. So, you know, if we're speaking, it's because I'm explaining foundations of things and how things work and why we do them. We're talking about culture. Um, so with, with my sign language class, they're not just learning sign language. We're also learning about the culture. We're learning about why people need sign language, why people use sign language, all you know, all the things that we're talking about now, all these issues um, to make sure that they know that it, it's more than just a language credit. Yeah. They're learning about a people group. Mm-hmm. Yep. So as part of that, you've, you've recently um, developed a relationship with a school in Rwanda. Yes. Now, here's, a, here's an African nation that has experienced so much trauma, mm-hmm. uh, genocide. And then you've got a, a group of students within the communities uh, within Rwanda that are already under-resourced. Mm-hmm. I would have to imagine that uh, deaf students in these, in these villages are especially 
prone to the issues that we've talked about earlier and, Absolutely. and, and especially prone to the risks of, of being under, under-resourced. But can you tell us a little bit about that relationship? How did that come together um, and what does it look like? Um, so uh, we're really good friends with the Coughlins, um, John and Christy Coughlin. Christy teaches here. John is the um, stateside CEO, if you will, of City of Joy, which is a school, a Christian school in Rwanda that NCS has a relationship with. And this summer they went and they took their entire family and their oldest daughter, Shekinah, who has taken a year of sign language with me, um, was with them. And while they were there and talking about her studies and things like that and the fact that she was learning sign language, they're like, oh, did you know there's a school just up the road that is for disabilities and they have deaf kids? And so they're like, we did not know this. Yeah, HVP. Gadagara, yeah. Gadagara. And okay. so um, they went to check it out and see, you know, what what is this school all about and what do they provide? And sure enough, it is kind of an anomaly, if you will, because a lot of times in Africa and other countries like that, the deaf are definitely looked down upon. It's usually you know, a curse or a problem or they just don't know what to do with them. And so a lot of times they don't have language. They don't have resources. They are just, you know, it's that kid in the corner or it's that kid that works the field. But there's no... There's no chance of education or opportunity. So this school and the fact that they provide for them and they teach them and they give them vocation is an absolute anomaly. And so um, John was like, Hillary, you you have to make contact with these people. You have to have a relationship with these people. And so that's that's what we've done. And so we've we've started communicating with them and we we sent face shields because during this time of COVID and wearing a mask. Um, if you're not familiar with sign language, you have to be able to see your face to clearly communicate because that's where the grammar comes from. Um, and so if you can't see someone's face, that makes that part a lot harder. Is but it then, the entire face or is it just the like lip reading? I mean, your eyes can say a lot, but it's your whole face. So like yeah, if I'm wow. t- – you can't, you can't see it in this because we're doing audio. But like if I'm talking about um, smoke – my cheeks are puffed out. My lips are pushed together. Like there's a whole expression that goes with it. Like depending on what you're doing, this the lower part of your face says just as much as the upper part of your face. Wow. So without having the full face, especially if you're not fluent in the language, it's really hard to understand. Um, so we were able to send face shields. We sent 50 face shields. That's so cool. Um, so they were just in awe of being able to see each other's faces again while they communicate. And the other layer of that is that most of the teachers there don't sign. There's one house mom that signs and she helps to teach the kids and kind of bridge the gap but the teachers themselves only so know a how, handful how of signs do they, they so they write back and forth which again i've told you is yeah. not a super strength right um and then typically they would lip read but if you can't see someone's lips how do you lip read so they've had all of their communication you know kind of squashed for the last year and a half um so us sending those face shields is a true gift. Well, and then in addition to the face shields, you sent a an introductory video in which you you entered, the students uh, talked a little bit about themselves. They they showed the campus and talked mm-hmm. a little bit about about our school. But one of the things that was rather shocking to me is is you showed me a picture in which the students in Rwanda their response was visceral. It was emotional. Mm-hmm. Why? What? Can you explain that moment? To our listeners, what what exactly happened in that Rwandan classroom when they were watching that video? So for them, it was realizing that not only are they not the only ones that that there's more like them out there. There's more people that sign, but to think that there are people on the other side of the planet that 
know your language and that have a desire to have a relationship and communicate with you was something almost uncomprehensible. Um, as it was when the Coughlins went this summer and went to see them, one of the students at the school was like, this is just so unbelievable. Like people come to tour the campus all the time for things, but nobody ever comes to see us. Like nobody, nobody knows us. And so then the fact that like there's people here that are reaching out and want to know them, want to see them, that do see them, that that's just a concept that's unknown. Well, it it speaks to that fundamental void of that bonding Mm -hmm. that, that is missing in so many of their lives. Suddenly somebody speaks to that and the response, I think probably surprised them how deeply they because God calls us to live in community. Yeah. And yet the deaf are forced into isolation all the time. Wow. Whether it's physical or emotional. So then I was I happened to be in the classroom. You invited me in last week at one point where John Coughlin then brought back from the students a very moving video in which they returned the favor. Yep. They they signed. Can you tell us and I, I was fascinated to see that our students were as nearly engaged mm-hmm. as the Rwandan students in the video. Yeah. Um, describe that moment in your classroom. Yeah. So, I mean, that that meant the world that we were able to send that and have it be so well received. But then for them to to take the time to and have the desire to send something back um, and then to realize that our languages do match up enough that we can understand each other. And, um, you know, and it was just, again, seeing how the world is so big and yet God allows it to be so small at the same time and that his fingerprints are everywhere and that we're able to see and touch even from this far away. And so to know that the possibility of impact is so great, even from so far, is really astounding. Yeah, unbelievable. And that's, I mean, that's, I, it's a tip of the hat to you because this is something you've, you've gone above and beyond the curriculum. You've, you've made your classroom into a learning environment that is so immersive, but not just immersive in terms of our students' capacity to learn a language, but immersive in terms of biblical worldview, that you're reminding our students that these Rwandan students also are Imago Dei, created in the image of God. Mm-hmm. And, and there are some some unique frailties yes. that, that they may possess, but it makes them no less uh, worth the dignity and respect. And so it, it just calls forward this, this uh, additional layer of engagement yeah. for our kids. And that's what I, I love. And you're, you know, as we close out today, you're getting ready to uh, assemble a mission strip in which I think what, eight to 10 students Probably somewhere in there. Yeah. Tell us a little bit about that mission trip. What do you hope to accomplish? Um, So it's interesting because this summer, even before we had our talk with the Coughlins and this idea of going to Rwanda came to be, um, my husband pointed out a verse in his readings. And it's one of those, it's in Romans. And it's like, we've how many times have you read Romans? And something doesn't stick out to you. And all of a sudden, so this has kind of become our heart verse for... Sign language, especially given everything that we've talked about, and it comes out of Romans fifteen twenty one, and it says, But as it is written, those who were not told about him will see, and those who have not heard will understand. It, it just gets me choked up. Even yeah. That. Like that's, that's, could it be more specific no, about your situation? Absolutely. That's absolutely. unbelievable. So, you know, a lot of times Seeing you always talk about hearing. Yeah, exactly. Oh, so it's just that is so profound to me, and that spoke so deeply to my heart. And so when we're talking about planning this trip, you know, with all my allergies and asthma, I don't even have a passport. Like that's not, I don't travel. I'm not, I'm not that person. I've never had that desire to go global and God has put it on my heart. And we've said, you know what, if, if we're supposed to go, 
the doors will open, and if we're not, the doors will stay shut, and the doors have just flown open. Unfortunately, those doors have all <laughs> slammed open. Yeah, I mean, they, they just keep flying open, which is incredible because it yeah. just shows you that this is God's heart and God's will and not just us putting our own desires of, you know, like, we're going to we're gonna go do this thing. Um, but well, yeah, just so, one more very, very special thing for our students to yeah. see. And, and, and it has been. Clearly, that has been so impactful for yeah. them to know the origins of this and to know that this was not something that I was like, you know, God, I've always wanted to go to Africa. I've always wanted to be like, so it's not, it's not about us. And that's, I think what makes this so special and so neat and that it's all God driven and God led and that that's amazing. And so we're going to go. Um, so we're, we become video pals. We're not going to be pen pals because we've already talked about how ineffective that would be. So we're, we're going to be video pals. So now we're working on our next video segment to send to them awesome. and working on kind of clarifying some of our, our language differences and building that layer of trust and relationship. Um, so that way, when we go in June, June, <laughs> wow. Um, so when we go in June, we can figure out how best to support them and their language journey. So that way the teachers understand better um, some of the cultural needs of having deaf students um, and ways to kind of clarify what they've got going on. Um, Rwanda does not have an official sign language. They've got kind of a mud muddied sign language right now um but it's definitely an asl french base um so that's why we're so still some similarity yeah so there's yeah. definitely some similarity and so we're able to communicate in person it would obviously be easier than through two-dimensional across the world uh video communication but the fact that even like this we're still able to understand each other is amazing so if we can just add more structure to what they have and give them um more definite direction so that way they can really guide these students. But then also, again, to be able to show them the love of Christ through our actions, through our love, to let them know that they are seen and that they are created in the image of God and that, you know, we are his workmanship. We are his masterpiece. That's yeah. I can't even put words Invaluable. to that. Invaluable. Yeah. Well, Hillary, as, as this adventure develops, I'd like to check back in with you as we go through the rest of the school year. Thank you for, for joining us today. Thank you for your your passion, number one, for, for our students, for the opportunity to teach them American Sign Language, and your, your just your willingness to connect what they're learning to the urgency of the gospel. I think that's, that's incredible. So thank you. And folks, thank you for listening to another episode episode of Kingdom Culture Conversations. Hope you have a great Thanksgiving. Hope you have a great Monday, the 29th off, and look forward to seeing you next week. Take care. Northwest Christian School has made Biblical Worldview online courses available to all high school students for transcript credit, regardless of whether they attend public school, private school, charter school, or homeschool. Frameworks is an exciting new initiative utilizing the learning management system of Grand Canyon University. For more information, visit BibleClassesForPublicSchools.com.